In the Green Room with Bob O'Brien, brought to you by SOS Global Express. Today, folks, I'm in the Green Room with Tour Production Manager Brett Chinquan. Brett's been in the industry for over 30 years, and we both know each other for the past 15 of those, primarily in his previous role as Production Director of Touring for Australian Concert Promoters Frontier Touring Group. Over three years ago, Brett took up the production manager role for US band Foo Fighters and moved to the USA where he currently resides in Brooklyn. Brett, thanks for joining me in the green room. It's been a while since we've had a time to chat and uh, welcome. Brett, can I ask you, would you give us a background how you got into music, I suppose, or how did you come to start working for Frontier Touring Group? Basically, when I was a kid, I hated school, Bob. Couldn't stand it. Uh, So I looked for any means to get away from it. And at the time, my uncle, my, uh, my father's side, he was a musician, him and his wife. And when I was in my early teens, I absolutely loved going and talking to him about his concert experiences and stuff like that. So as time went on and as I got older, I used to go to, with him to gigs, help load in, you know, his back line and all that sort of stuff. And I just got to know people. And then all of a sudden, he, they were supporting big Australian name acts. And then all of a sudden, I was working with big Australian bands like James Rain, Midnight Oil, all those type of big bands that you hear, Jimmy Barnes. And yeah, I got a foot in the door, got a taste for it. And unfortunately, I'm still here, or fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Would you give us an idea of the artists you worked with, other than who you just listed there? Like you said, I just worked with the Foo Fighters for the past few years. I've just done some stuff with Janet Jackson and Pharrell Williams, Jimmy Eat World. I mean, for, for those of us who've been lucky enough to tour Australia, uh, Brett is the local production director for touring, and it's a pleasure to tour Australia because Brett has everything done in advance. When I first started at Frontier Touring, Bob, I was always taught that when artists come to Australia, and I think it's not like that anywhere else in the world now that I tour the world, is that when you come to Australia, everything's taken care for you pretty much. And we we were taught to do that. And that's sort of something I've kept on and try to look after people. You're there to have a good time. Must have been a massive change for you coming to the States and then that independence of everything's not done for you. You have to go and do it yourself then. Yeah, but I think that was also a bonus. And I'll thank Mr. Michael Godinsky for that, who owns uh, Frontier Touring, is that he taught me to do everything myself. So when I came here to the States, I was used to doing everything myself anyway. So yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a different world and every day is a learning curve. Like even now is a learning curve. I just took the, the things that I'd learned from Frontier and tried to adapt them into a bigger world of being a production manager with a big touring international act, especially like the Foo Fighters. So it kept me there for three and a half, four years. So yeah, it seemed to all come together. Well, there's a band I've noticed over the... Um the last few years. I mean, the Foo Fighters will do, they'll do a range of shows on one tour, I'd imagine. I mean, I've I've heard of them doing a club one night in the stadium the next night, and then they might do a festival for 20,000, and then they might go back to a stadium, and then they might do a club show. And literally, it sounds like the guys have fun playing, so they'll play on the back of a poster stamp. Yeah, they they love to play. But yeah, you're having a range of venues from stadiums all the way through to, like I said, acoustic gigs in people's backyards. I think... One tool will carry at least five different rigs for five different types of venues. It's just, you know, the one type of production, but it kept you on your toes, let's say. I think that's been a big change too, Bob, in the industry where people, especially this stage, when you were in a festival in the early days, bands would just come in with just their backline. But now everyone's got a floor package. Everyone's got to hang something from the roof. It's, it's, it's actually, for a festival-wise, it's a nightmare, I would imagine. What's your favourite part of touring these days? Definitely these days is the people in the company that I keep. I guess in the early days when I was touring, because 
I didn't really see much of the world just doing the clockwork uh, tour in Australia, going round and round and round. Getting out and seeing the cities, traveling and seeing the cities was wonderful. But now it's the relationships and the friends you meet. Just like us, Bob, we've become friends over the past 15 years. So yeah, just to hold those relationships together. And you know, at the end of the day, if you've had a shitty day and you get back on the bus, you've still, those people you still got a tour with, they're your friends at the end of the day. So if you yeah. can separate work from friends and just keep going, it's, uh, I think makes, touring a lot a lot nicer place to be to be honest and you know as the production manager as you're aware i'll say 80 percent not even 80 maybe 70 percent of the time you do probably get to pick your own crew rather than have dead wood float around so you get to pick the people that you're happy with and stuff like that and then and then you build relationships and friendships and hopefully you can take them on to to next tours and yeah it just becomes it's a lot more enjoyable than than not there's so much trust involved isn't there oh yeah and to be totally honest Bob, I, I, I don't know your mentality on this, but the people that you employ, they're the people that actually do the work for you yeah. at the end of the yeah. day. And they're the ones that you put your trust in and they're the ones that do the job and they actually make you look good at the end of the day. Yeah, so, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. They make you look really good. Yes, they do, yeah. <laughs> I meant that they make you look really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's easy for anyone that's worked with me to make me look good. <laughs> Brett, chat to me about uh, changes in trends on tour. I mean, is there anything particularly that stand out over the, you know, the, the few decades that you're touring? You know what? Over the decades, I think technology in a production field has come a long way. Of course, you know, God, remember the days of running copper. Now we're, now we're just running, now we're running fiber and I guess inter, uh, uh, intelligent lighting's come a long way, uh, just that. But yeah, the whole industry is now really relying on our computers and smartphones. It's, it's outrageous. There's no more, I think as we, 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 we've discussed in the past, I think there's no more times where you'd have to drive down the road and stop at a post office or use a hotel fax to get stuff done. It's just, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's good for us as a production manager just to use the technology, but yeah. Sometimes there's just no switch off. You're constantly on because of, I suppose, of the connectivity. You're constantly on the go. You're constantly yeah, you, checking mails. And... You're definitely right. And everyone expects a response now. You know what I mean? There, there's, no, there's no like, I'll send an email and I'll get back to you in a day or two. Everyone wants an answer right now. And we have the ability to do that, which is great, I think. <laughs> I, honest, I honestly think intelligent lighting is, has come a long way. Like even now, these follow me spots and things like that. But I remember working in the, oh my God, when was it? It must have been the, the mid 90s when IntelliBeams came out and then they brought out the universal controller. And oh, it, it was just, it's just a whole game changer. It was just amazing. Just instead of carrying massive, massive analog desks around, we were down to, you know, small DMX type controls. Yeah, it was just amazing. I mean, at so, times there, every time you went to advance a tour, put a tour together, um, you couldn't keep up with the new lighting fixtures and changes in technologies coming along. And it's like you needed a crash course every time you went to go and get some equipment to go on a tour or engage a lighting supplier or the LD would have like loads of new units that he could try out and loads of new technologies and stuff. Yeah. And it just moved, it just moved ahead so quick. It was so hard to keep up with. Yeah, it really did. Like I'm sort of glad, like it's still moving pretty quick, but I think, thank God for LED sort of slowed it down a bit. To be honest, LED, LED took over the world there for a while and that's all it is. And then, yeah. And the, I don't know, lighting still, yeah, pretty amazing. I know just being in the industry the past five years is that, 
whenever I'd come to a new tour, we'd, with the Foo Fighters, would go out every six months, would have a new production every six months, and then it would just be completely new features, stuff that wasn't even out on the market yet, practically, in my book. Talk to me about uh, WhatsApp, Daisy, itineraries. Yeah, I think technology uh, in that regard, I'm still a little old school, Bob. I'm still a guy that emails out um, uh, itineraries. Obviously, the days of door, you know, door drops at hotels have gone for day sheets and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I'm still an old school where I'll email something. But I have worked with bands like Jimmy Eat World were the first band, to be honest, uh, and this is five, six years ago, that put me on the master tour and to use that technology I thought was fantastic. When you mentioned just then WhatsApp, I know uh, my lovely production assistant, Fiona, she would use WhatsApp with all the runners and just to have that technology now, yeah, to have the runners out in the field, constantly talking to them, going back and forth. You, you, It's not the days where they used to just come and get one item and then go back out, read the runners list and go back out. Now it's, yeah, it's just, like you said, technology, it's instant, isn't it? It's instant, and it's 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 made us become more sophisticated in a lot of lot of ways as well. Yeah, but is it also dumbing us down? <laughs> yes, would be my yeah. definite answer to that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not for it or against, but again, I suppose my learning uh, was in the old school or set in the old school certainly, and uh, yeah. not like you'd have to drag me kicking and screaming into the new age, but I was certainly a lot slower to pick up on social media and, and platforms. And there just well, comes a time where you have to. You just have to dive straight in and, and make well, sense. Well, to be totally honest, Bob, I don't have social media. I've still tried to fight it. There's no Facebook. There's no Instagram. There's none of there's none of that stuff. Like, I do have WhatsApp because we use it for work. But other than that, that's about as far as I go. Even though in these times, I might start a TikTok account and start dancing. <laughs> You miss home or are you happy? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do every now and then, to be honest, but I know there's, there's, there's no money there for me compared to here at the moment, even though, even though Bob, there's no money now. Uh, <laughs> oh, how could you see? I mean, who was to see that coming, you know? You know, I took the gamble of leaving the Foo Fighters and then, yeah, and, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't not, not good betting. Thank God I don't play the stock market. Brett, any unusual riders or outrageous riders in the past? You've had anything that stands out? No, you know what? It's I've never come across anything really outrageous, to be honest. There's none of the Iggy Pop and the Stooges type yeah. <laughs> that we've all read. And, but that, yeah, not, nothing really. Nothing stupid. I think, you know, some people go a little bit overboard. You know, I have been a promoter rep and had to have all white furniture for certain artists and make sure the spa's up to a certain level of temperature. But... Nothing that's, you know what, maybe I've been in this industry too long and as a promoter rep for too long, but I have seen a lot of crazy stuff that doesn't really come to mind on writers, but Stands it just up. all seems normal now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone, everyone wants an extra pair of socks or a t-shirt or a clip-on tie or whatever it may be, you know? <laughs> so, in all your time in, in uh, I suppose this relates to Australia as the touring rep in Australia, you must have come across some band uh, pseudonyms. Any outrageous ones or funny? Can you remember any particular funny ones? Well, they're, they're usually all standard ones, but Bob, I have to re relate this to you and the band that you worked for. <laughs> some of their names were honestly probably the funniest that I've ever heard. Yeah. Tassie Nets. Yeah. <laughs> Miho me, 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 Sorni. Yeah, me, me, Hosorni, yeah. So, yeah, you know, just guys that wanted to have a laugh and, you know. Name the single funniest event that you can remember. Anything hilarious? 
Well, you know what? There was one time I was, you know what? And that's happened to all of us. Well, it didn't actually happen to me, but I was sitting in a bar after a gig, got the hotel bar open, sitting, having a drink. And one of the early backline guys had decided to go home early. He has a tendency to sleepwalk and he actually slept walk into the, left his room, walked down to reception and walked, was completely naked because he'd already been a bed asleep. So in a packed hotel with everyone around, that's quite amusing because obviously it was just sleepwalking. It was like natural. There's just a naked guy walking through reception. Yeah, as you know, Bob, there's so many funny things that yeah. happen on the road all the time. It's, it's hard that every day there's a laugh. Moving on from the single funniest event, any memorable events, anything that stands out? You know what? I do have one and it's sort of like a bit iconic for me. When I was a younger man, I was into the band, The Police, and I loved them. And I used to watch all their documentaries and how they were such a volatile band and they used to go off at each other and there was always the fights between Sting and Copeland constantly. So I had the pleasure of the reunion tour. I think it was 96 or 95 in Australia. So I toured with them and we're backstage. They just finished doing, I think, Roxanne just before they came off stage to do their encore. So Roxanne finished and there was words coming out. It was above the audience, I've got to add. Sting and Copeland were yelling abuse at each other like there was no tomorrow. And then I'm thinking, I love these guys. I'm going to see one of the classic all-time There was a spat backstage between Copeland and Sting. They had their minders separating backstage on the ramp. I've got loaders ready to, to go up on stage to start getting back line off. And they're going for it. And I just sat there and went, this is part of history. I'm watching a bit of history right there. And I always remember that for some reason. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just something that's always been in my mind. So, yeah. It was... best, best not get involved and let the artists get on with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. But those guys, God, they really did hate each other, it seemed like. <laughs> What's the single most annoying habit you notice about anybody on tour? You know what I can't stand? Honestly, lateness. Yeah, that's, that's that's and some people are just prone to just being late. They just I don't know. They're just on a different time clock. But if for me as a production manager trying to get everything up by doors, which is usually a struggle in most places anyway. Is that? Yeah. Lateness. If people are lateness, that's that's one of the, the, the most annoying habits, I think. And you know what? I don't know if it's me as a production manager and this might attain to you, but when things are under pressure, it feels like everyone's late anyway, even if they're on time. <laughs> Brett, do you remember where you were September 11th? I do remember, Bob. I was doing a corporate show with a local cover band in Australia and I was at the Sofitel in Melbourne and I remember coming off because of the time zone that had already happened and in between sets, we were doing three sets that night and they were only 45 minutes long. Oh, God, I dream of those days again. Um, that, uh, yeah, I went backstage and there was a telly in the dressing room that someone had put in there and turned on and, yeah, the planes had hit the, hit the towers, 9-11. I was, yeah, it was quite the shock. Did it affect you? Did it have any immediate effect um, down under where you were? You know what, it, to be totally honest, yes, obviously it affected everyone as in everyone has an opinion on it and it was very saddening and it's changed the world forever, to be honest. But in Australia, not really, to be honest, like our securities went up, measures went up a, a little bit. We are a long way from everyone. As you know, it takes 24 hours for most people to get to us from anywhere in the world. But yeah, I don't think it really affected us that much in the industry. 
God, Bob, we're still a country that can go to gate terminals and greet our loved ones when they come off the plane. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. Well, I think I think the only drawback with that is that I think we've experienced it, Bob, is that you've got the fans. So the fans can actually, once you pass security, the fans can actually also be there, can be waiting outside well, club lounges and airport lounges. And yeah, so there's easy access for fans to get to them where I guess everywhere else in the world, once you're through security, you're pretty much all safe. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Uh, how do you see us coming out of this crisis, Brett? I mean, I know you're in the heart of um, Brooklyn there now. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? You can only watch so much news. But I, I think, you know, it's going to be a, a, a very slow recovery for all of us. But we will come out of it, of course. But I think, especially here in the USA, it's very... Not many people are going to have money to go and see concerts, for one. Then the other thing is, are people going to be... What's the word I'm looking for? Are, are they going to want to be next to other people? Are people want to want to go to a 5,000-seat venue and actually, on the off chance, are we going to actually start seeing people coming to gigs in masks and things like that? So, yeah. But I think it's going to be a very trying time, and I think not until we have a vaccine, to be honest, I think the world's going to be clear. Isle of window seat and why? Oh, I'm definitely an aisle. I got long legs. I need to stretch them out. So, yeah. But, Bob, as you are aware... There's no, there's no aisle or window in business class. <laughs> oh, don't be saying that. <laughs> backpack or wheelie bag? Uh, you know what? I used to be a backpack guy, and then over the years, carrying the, carrying the backpack around, my shoulders have given way. It's quite tragic. <laughs> but uh, now I'm a wheelie guy now. Wheelie. Uh, if you were to buy a ticket for any concert, any period, who and where would it be? Well, I'm a big fan of Hendrix and Led Zeppelin. So if I was old enough, I would have gone and seen uh, definitely Jimi Hendrix at the Fillmore on the 31st of December. He did do two nights. And since it was New Year's Eve, he didn't play well the next night for obvious reasons. Okay. But, uh, and then there's also the famous uh, gig, which Led Zeppelin did at, uh, at Earl's Court. I wish I would have seen that. I have seen it, but I was never there. Cool. Unsung Heroes on tour. Uh, Definitely for me, bus and truck drivers, definitely. I think everyone just picks on truck drivers, especially just because all they do is sit in catering and eat. But without those guys getting our stuff there and then getting us to the gig the next day, we wouldn't have a gig, would we? Brett Chin Kwan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for popping into the green room. Speak soon. In the Green Room, sponsored by SOS Global Express. Proudly supporting the frontline efforts throughout the COVID-19 pandemic.